You're listening to episode number 74 of The Green Elephant in the Room. Greetings, this is your host, Eco Rico, and today we're discussing the perception of doing right by the environment and the reality of the industrial scale impacts that many excuse as inevitable. As musicians rely heavily on touring for revenue, which means more gas-guzzling tour buses and cross-country flights, bands are grappling with how they can keep playing their music and making a profit without leaving a massive carbon footprint. As glorious and life-affirming as live music can be, the magnitude of the enterprise, how much carbon a tour produces, how much waste a concert generates, can be troubling. Live music is big business. Ticket prices reflect that fact. Tickets to Taylor Swift's The Eras Tour go up for $2,000, but you can pay a lot less. Even Bruce Springsteen, average tickets are over $500 each. Seeing how this is the kickoff of the summer touring season, we thought it would be appropriate to explore this hot topic. I was inspired by a small article in the news. It was about an offer that performers Beyonce and her husband Jay-Z made, and it made us think about the intentions to want to do good and the enormous scale of many of our enterprises actually are. The headline said, Beyonce and Jay-Z offer lifetime concert tickets for fans who go vegan. So music superstars Beyonce and Jay-Z offered fans a chance to win free tickets for life to their concerts. The catch? You have to commit to eating more vegan meals. So how it worked was, fans could submit how many of their meals are plant-based and in return get the chance to win 30 years worth of tickets. Beyonce has long been associated with the vegan movement. The Vegan Society says that she's helped make a plant-based diet something to aim for. Under the contest rules, one fan will get a pair of tickets to one official concert by Beyonce and or Jay-Z for the next 30 years. The prize is estimated to be worth around $12,000. While the pair are not strict vegans themselves, Beyonce pledged to eat plant-based breakfasts and go meatless on Mondays while Jay-Z is promising to eat two plant-based meals a day. Alright, good for them. It's great to witness superstars using their celebrity to promote Earth-friendly gestures. I did research about who had won the contest, but surprisingly, I couldn't find any information. Let me say up front that I am an admirer of both Beyonce and Jay-Z. They have a charitable foundation called Bay Good, and it recently celebrated a decade of doing good, like supporting entrepreneurs, small business owners, and students with relief grants and scholarship opportunities. But the story is not unique to them. It underscores the whole chaotic process of the greater climate and environmental fight. Last month, Beyoncé kicked off her United Kingdom leg of her world tour in Cardiff, Wales. But the extravaganza has left some mulling over the damage the event, and others like it, have on the environment. 
Beyonce's stage show took up a lot of luggage space. It needed two airports to take the air freighters and a fleet of trucks to unload it and move it. Beyonce's world tour consists of seven air freighters and 70 trucks to get her stage set and other gear to the venues of her concert calendar. And that didn't include the backstage staff, musicians, performers, which took 18 bus coaches, or Beyonce herself, who arrived by private jet. On the night of the concert, about 60,000 fans descended on Cardiff, with some having traveled there from across the globe. One onlooker tweeted, I worry about my recycling, and here are almost 100 giant trucks and buses parked outside the concert venue for one night. Hashtag climate emergency, hashtag carbon. This is not really surprising. An act like Beyonce's would travel with a sizable entourage, including production staff, a full band, dancers, which represented hundreds of people who have to travel there. Of course, the expectation is you've got to put on a spectacular show, and that involves a lot of stage and a lot of screens, and all that staging will be need to be driven around in lots and lots of massive vehicles. So here is the essential question. With many young people feeling deep anxiety about climate change, does any of this matter to Beyonce's fans? She will have an audience that is expecting her productions to be as green as possible, but then you're also talking about one of the biggest artists in the world. And she can kind of do whatever she wants in the sense that the demand will be there. Lots of fans on one hand will say, well, I hope the show is as environmentally friendly as possible, but they will also be a bit more flexible when they realize this might be the only chance to see Beyonce for the next five or 10 or however long years. They often put their ethics and their morals to the side. It's not like people will vote with their wallets and boycott a Beyonce show. Beyonce has sold 200 million records worldwide and has 32 Grammy Awards. She is too big to have a boycott like that. So, what is the moral of this little tale? Beyonce and Jay-Z extended their generous offer for free concert tickets for a tweak in one person's diet. Now, while their motives are commendable, this narrative encapsulates a grander fundamental question. What action is going to be more impactful, an individual modifying their diet or the environmental effects of seven air freighters, 70 full-size trucks, 18 buses, and a private jet on just the first leg of a world tour? That's a rhetorical question. You don't have to answer it. All this leads us to our ultimate inquiry. What is a more effective strategy in cutting carbon? solitary individual lifestyle changes or the incredible transformation that comes from building community power? We're going to give the energizing answer to that question with resources at the end of this episode. So, who do Beyonce, the Rolling Stones, U2, ACDC, and Lady Gaga have in common? They all use one London-based specialist logistics firm to move their equipment around the globe. <laughs>
More firms are choosing to use air freight to get their goods to market, from diamonds to car parts, even though it's six times more expensive than sending them by sea. And rock superstars depend on it too. Just to underscore the point, the managing director of the company Sam Moves said that the Beyonce show was the biggest move they had ever done. Considering 80% of the environmental impacts of anything are locked in at the design stage, more and more stars are realizing where the real change will happen will be the people who put these productions together guiding the artist. The stars hold a lot of power to make change. When high-profile artists speak out and demand to make every effort to cut the carbon from their tours, that will change the dial of what the whole industry feels is possible. Here's a good example. For touring musicians, efficient planning is the key to lowering their carbon footprint. Having tour stops close together and limiting a tour to one continent keeps travel to a minimum, reducing environmental impact. Here's another model we'd like to see more of. The popular rocker Jack Johnson is an American singer-songwriter, filmmaker, and former professional surfer. Johnson is one of a growing number of artists pledging to make their tours more environmentally friendly. He makes it a point to work with nonprofit organizations and venues where they perform to make sure their concert events can reduce their carbon footprint. If you went to a Jack Johnson concert, you'd see thousands of fans, many holding stainless steel sticker-covered water bottles. Before he even begins his set, the grounds would be bustling as crowds form around a stand selling tote bags, reusable utensils, and climate offset stickers among the usual concert merchandise. On the venue's jumbotrons, one slide interspersed with images of environmental advocacy groups remind people to recycle and compost at the show. Johnson said that he used to gaze out after shows and see an ocean of single-use plastic littering the floors where the audience stood. Now, he said, things like reusable pint cup program and a water refilling station have dramatically reduced the waste he sees. He says when you look out, it's beautiful. On Johnson's current tour, $2 from each concert ticket goes toward carbon offset projects and environmental nonprofit groups. Musicians say they hope to influence their fans' behavior long after the concert ends. At every show on Johnson's Meet the Moonlight Tour, fans can enter to win front row seats in the venue by committing to sustainable actions. Refilling usable water bottles, using a green mode of transportation to travel to the show, and donating to an environmental nonprofit organization are all the efforts that increase a fan's chance of winning. Johnson and his team encourage fans to interact with local environmental groups through a village green that has been set up at every show's venue that highlights five to ten of the groups. When they tour a new area, Johnson said his team gets recommendations about which nonprofit groups to feature, such as ones focusing on locally sourced food or reducing plastic waste. The band fosters relationships with organizations over time, allowing Johnson to advocate for which groups he wants to feature at his show. 
I don't know about you, but I think that's fabulous. And my hat's off to Jack Johnson. I'm going to share another story that is not about music, but summer travel, and sums up some of the themes being addressed in this episode. I was reading recently about the Disney Corporation and their marketing $110,000 a ticket elite package tour. The 24-day bucket list adventure, which is limited to 75 guests, takes in 12 Disney resorts in six countries on three continents. Customers will travel on a VIP-configured Boeing 757 accompanied by Disney staff who will provide fun and fact-filled stories enabling you to be immersed in every location you visit. Passengers embark from Los Angeles to California next month. From there, they will fly to San Francisco, then to Tokyo via Anchorage, on to Shanghai and Hong Kong, then Agra in India, Cairo, Paris, and then finish in Orlando, Florida. The tour is already fully booked. What the slick brochures and the travel promotions don't tell you is that it comes with a carbon price tag of 6.2 tons of admissions for each guest. For some perspective, globally, the average annual carbon footprint is 4.5 tons per capita. If the world is to meet the goal of remaining within the 1.5 C of global warming, every person on Earth would need to admit an average of just 2.3 tons of CO2 a year by 2030. That means cutting our personal carbon contribution to just 2.3 tons, which is half of the 4.5 tons most of us admit today. This Disney tour shows once again that there is no mode of transport more unjust than air travel. Only the privileged few get to fly, exploding their annual carbon footprints with just one such holiday. And while the price may seem extravagant, it doesn't even adequately reflect the true cost of the pollution. A Disney spokesperson said the company had a long commitment to protecting the planet and delivering a positive environmental legacy for future generations. Of course, what else are they going to say? Climate campaigners pointed out the tour, which costs again $110,000 a ticket, highlights research showing how globally wealthier individuals are disproportionately responsible for the lion's share of carbon emissions. One study found that frequent flying super admitters, who represent just 1% of the world's population, were responsible for half of the carbon emissions of the aviation industry. North Americans flew 50 times as far as people from Africa, and 10 times more than people from the Asian Pacific region. Another study published that same year found that the global north was responsible for 92% of excess emissions, while the countries of the south accounted for just 8%. It's bewildering that business is not doing more to support global efforts to reach net zero. This is an egregious example of irresponsible admissions, and it's not the only one. Companies around the world need to address their carbon impacts. The emissions of the wealthiest 10% of the population alone could send us beyond the agreed 1.5 degrees limit in the next seven years, while in comparison, 
the poorest half of the global population will still admit far less. This carbon inequality leaves the poorest and most vulnerable to deal with the devastating consequences of our overheating planet. finish up, we will answer the question addressed earlier in the episode. What is a more effective way to cut carbon through individual or collective actions? Individual and lifestyle changes are great and do make a difference. They could make all the difference. However, the majority of people aren't that engaged and don't practice them. That leads us to collective action. Frankly, folks, at this point, organizing and collective action is almost the only hope we have. The last time we had an organized massive movement was in the early 70s, when 20 million people turned out for the first Earth Day. It was the largest mass demonstration in human history, and it was spectacularly successful. In short order, the Congress passed the Clean Water Act, the Clean Air Act, the Endangered Species Act and established the Environmental Protection Agency, among many other environmental laws and regulations. It was all working until it wasn't, and the other side fought back very hard. By the 1980s, the fossil fuel industry and the corrupt politicians they supported rallied and fought back. All the momentum gathered to enact a carbon tax, to use renewable solar and wind, and protect wild areas dissipated under the crush of their propaganda. With all the superstorms, heat waves, and fires, it's becoming increasingly clear that all the things predicted back in the 1970s are coming to fruition now. We have to act. We must assemble, organize, mobilize, and activate. We have to unleash the capacity to make our collective voices heard and actively participate in the restoration of our exquisite planet. Extensive research reveals that time and time again, a small number of dedicated people can increase in number until they reach a critical point. At this point, their moral message and influence can explode, having a remarkable influence on the broader population. To that point, the Green Elephant has created a powerful resource called A Call to Act. This is not a list of mild suggestions, use reusable straws, recycle, ride a bike. It's a substantial directory of significant actions you can engage in pronto. It's a comprehensive online encyclopedia of eco-solutions. Here's an example of some of the resources listed. How to find a climate action group in your area. We've broken that down into categories such as African American, Latino, Asian Pacific, women's and parents climate groups, youth, LGBTQ+, church-affiliated, and seasoned citizens, that's older people. Eco-volunteer opportunities, local, national, global. For example, working to get the green vote out or restoring wildlife habitat in your region. Or becoming a citizen scientist, a hands-on way to track the consequences of climate and environmental change and you don't need an advanced degree. The only requirements are enthusiasm, a commitment to learn, and some time. Another is socially responsible investing, putting your money where your morals are. Do you know where your pension plan is being invested? 
There are many places you can invest your money and do some good at the same time. These are just a few of the exciting possibilities where you can become engaged. At a minimum, check out a call to act to become inspired. We've put a link in the show notes.